0: Hey, and welcome back to the Business of Healthcare podcast. I hope you guys are doing well. So today, I'm really chuffed about this interview. I had the pleasure of interviewing Finn Robinson. Finn is the founder and director at Pure Physiotherapy Limited. So in our interview, we talk about how Pure Physiotherapy got started. We talk about scaling and Finn talks about his ambitions for the organization and how they are choosing to grow. Finn also shares his approach to kind of the service development within their organizations and talks a lot about clarity, transparent data, ensuring they don't duplicate pathways which already exist and being proactive. I introduced Pure to one of my clients and I'm so glad that I did Finn and I getting to know each other and I think one of the things I really want to convey is that from the moment I've met Finn and every interaction I have with him, like he's consistent, he's so positive, absolutely knows his stuff, and it's a real pleasure to be a client of his. This is a great interview. Get your pen. Oh, when he was um when we were talking, I was frantically writing loads of notes. It's another Business of Healthcare Masterclass featuring Finn Robinson, founder and director of Pure Physiotherapy. Enjoy. Hey Finn, welcome to the Business of Healthcare podcast. How are you doing?
1: Very well. Thanks, Tara. Thanks for inviting me.
0: Oh, my pleasure. I've been wanting you on for ages. So just a bit of context. Actually, how did we meet? I can't remember.
1: I think it was via LinkedIn. You're were, you were very clearly present on LinkedIn and, and Twitter. And and, uh, and with what you were doing with the PCN and primary care work, we were, we were keen to, or I was keen to, to get in touch. So it was, I think it was via LinkedIn
0: initially. So now Pure Physio are working with one of my clients. Could you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and what you do?
1: Yeah, so um, I run a company called Pure Physiotherapy. Um, it's been running since 2006. I set it up originally in South Yorkshire. I then moved to to Norfolk with my wife and family which we we love and we we started doing some work down here and then the the business has grown really or the clinics have grown. My background really is in in physiotherapy specifically musculoskeletal physiotherapy and um, I've worked in sort of extended scope roles so roles where, where where I might be doing injections or referring for scans for about 15 years. Once we came down here and started growing the clinics, we were invited by the NHS to work with them on delivery of MSK care, musculoskeletal care in the community, which we did. And then in 2016, we started doing first contact physiotherapy um, trials through a CCG funding. That was on the east coast. That went really well, and it grew and grew. So now we've got we cover 45 plus PCNs across the country from Eastbourne to Liverpool to Manchester, Leeds, all of them, all. a lot of Norfolk, Bedfordshire, and right down to Devon. And we we aren't interested in being huge, although we are quite big. We're interested in in the quality, and we've been really unashamed in that that process. It's the quality. If we can't do something well, we'd rather not do it. That's been our ethos, and it's worked Touchwood very well so far.
0: What made you choose physiotherapy? <laughs> it's interesting. Not many people ask me that these days
1: not that i work in this field now but my dad had a friend who i didn't particularly know very well but his son was the same age as me born on the same day and his son had a car accident and had a spinal injury now i didn't know this this um, boy particularly well but my dad was really quite upset by it and as a result um this 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 um, boy was struggling to have physiotherapy outside or care outside of the hospital setting where he lived, um, and it was it became quite distressing. So I did say to my dad at the time that maybe I'll, I'll look at doing physiotherapy. I completely forgot about it then and did all my A-levels to do architecture, applied to do architecture, was going to do architecture. And then just before I was about to start, I looked at the the first day of the prospectus, and it was the, pretty much within the first week it was talking about the structural properties of concrete. And I thought, well, I'm not sure whether I want to draw buildings, not, not think about the structural properties of concrete. So I changed my mind. And I went, my dad was a teacher, looked at his prospectuses in his sixth form at college and um, looked at the physiotherapy, thought, yeah, I'll just apply for that. So I applied for that. Didn't really know what it was, particularly other than this memory I had as a, as a, as a younger, as a boy, really. Went to do a gap year in India for six months, came back and, and and got into physiotherapy by the skin of my teeth. And it was a very good decision. I absolutely love it. 20, 20 odd years later, I really enjoy it.
0: And at what point did you go from being a physio to, I want to run my own business?
1: I was quite keen from quite early on to do something. It's it one of those businesses where you can create your own practice, as it were. I like the idea of having doing things as I wanted to do them. When I was at university, the first year, I really wasn't too sure how much I enjoyed it. I did enjoy it. But by the second and third year, I really loved it. Uh, I loved the placements. I was lucky enough to go to the Bahamas for one of our placements. Right. had some fantastic placements in the UK. And, and it showed me the different areas I worked in as, as a student or experienced made me think that I could, i would really enjoy having my own practice. So, not long after qualifying, myself and, and a friend, um, Nigel Tilly, who I was at university with, we set up Pure Physiotherapy. We grew up from there. We then got an opportunity to work with the Ni- European Golf Tour, which Nigel, which Nigel took. He, he loves golf, so he's still working there, and I continued with Pure, and um, we're still good friends. So, we, we we had a thought even at university really, we would like to do something along this line. We didn't, we, we couldn't have anticipated it'd be as it is now so yeah, it's naturally grown.
0: And did you, how did you learn to run the business? Is Was that covered in your course? Uh,
1: no, we, the course is very much focused really around NHS structure and, and provision. And I did many years in the NHS, um, really, even, even up until sort of four or five years ago, I was still doing part-time work within the NHS in um, orthopaedic triage or extended scope roles. So when I qualified it was, it was quite normal to go, well, it was encouraged really, and rightly so, to go into the NHS. I did my rotations there where you sort of do six months or four months in different specialties in the hospital typically, uh, intensive care, paediatrics, orthopaedics, outpatients, etc. From that point, then you can start specialising typically. So there was no thought to, to necessarily how to run a business other than this is probably how much it costs to have a patient come to see you. We need a room to do it from. The, the, the Chartered Society of Physios is pretty helpful. And there's an organization within the Chartered Society, which is specifically for physios in private practice. So there's some decent information out there. And, but a lot of it was just suck it and see. And it was to start with, it's quite tricky because you start off seeing a patient here or a patient there or traveling to people's homes, then maybe a room somewhere. Uh, and you learn on the job very much with, with the business side of it.
0: So you're quite sporty. When you said you kind of specialize in MSK, why did you not go down the sports physio, or is it the same? Well, it, it's, there's a, there is a difference.
1: I I was fortunate enough in my sort of four or five years into to being a physio that um, I had opportunities to work in uh, elite sport with rugby and football, and I mentioned the, the golf. Although I didn't really step into that too far, I, I, and. What I really enjoy about physio is seeing someone that comes off the street, for, to make it simple, off the street with, with an unknown problem. So they've got back pain or foot pain or shoulder pain. It's affecting their life. And then as a physio, you can you can assess, get a, get a working diagnosis, treat that diagnosis, reassess if it's not going where you want it to go, and then hopefully take them through the whole journey. In elite sport or in sport as as, as a whole, that same process happens, but you're part of a, a bigger team often. So there might be a, a doctor, the access to scans, and I like the idea of, of helping just the general, general man off the street. So it's quite a difference. I also found sports quite political and quite stressful, whereas you know it's, it's it's a little bit simpler and it's a little bit um, you can really make a big difference to people's lives. You can in sport with this with the sport, but you can make a huge difference, and it makes a it gives you a very good feeling. I think when you
0: when you achieve that. So when I say you're quite sporty, tell our listeners what you do.
1: I enjoy I enjoy doing things and, and I enjoy the Gojo challenge that, that you're on as well at the minute, Tara. Um, so I enjoy running, cycling, swimming. Um, I've really recently started enjoying CrossFit, which doesn't help with any of the three things really at all. Um, but I, I go most days now. So I do half Ironmans or Ironman distance triathlons. I've been doing one a year for a little while. And I intend on keep doing that till I'm at least 50-odd. So I've got eight years still to go on, on, on that challenge. But, yeah, I really enjoy and, – and, and I find it really important for work and, and for life. Um, I was talking to my wife last night that I think if I don't exercise every day, and this is probably mainly mental now, that I struggle to just, just process some things during the day. So I do find it really important. So I do at least an hour or up to three hours exercise probably every day just going to enjoy it. I'm not particularly good at it, so no one needs to think that I'm...
0: Oh, that's a lie. That is a lie. That is an absolute fat lie. So to just to give the listeners a bit of context, so Finn asked me to be part of this Gojo Challenge where it's against another team. So it's pure physiotherapy against Push Doctor. So the two organisations compete against each other for the most points. And Finn sold it to me. He sold it to me like... It's just like this little bit of fun. And so I was like, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm a little bit active. So it's it's a month long. And I, I keep saying to Mark, at the end of this, I'll get my life back. Like every time we start to drop the points, fins in the WhatsApp group going, Come on, guys. Come on, guys. It's intense. Yeah, it's it's, it's hard really work. It is hard work. It's really good. I think that was what I've we we've
1: done a couple of these challenges now. We did one internally, and, and Gojo is made by um a couple of chaps that um, at university they they set up a challenge internally with with their friends at university. And when they qualified from university, they got to the point where they were still doing these challenges with friends. And they ended up booking sort of running tracks and all sorts of things. And none of them are particularly athletic, but they wanted to have this sort of challenge. And they, they that's how they sold it to me. And I, the idea was, especially during the times we are now, everyone's remote working. This last year, we've got you know 100 physios around the country, and I hadn't met some of them, which I find really tricky yeah you know, i've talked to them on teams and, and whatever else but so we wanted something where we can bring them together we normally do quite a lot of social things so these sorts of challenges gojo has been really really helpful in making people that i don't i've never even met we're suddenly on chat groups going come on yeah. do an extra do an extra get out and we were what we, we were getting up at or oh, getting out in the evenings this is during the winter at sort of nine o'clock at night for, for 10k walks because no one could run anymore because we're, we're in pieces so it's been really um <laughs> as you know so it's been really really good the way we've had to adapt our business and how we work how we keep our staff engaged has has been challenging but things like that challenge the way we're using gojo and the way we're using some of the digital teams etc has been fantastic and had we not made those moves and used those things that are out there i think we'd be we'd be struggling to attain
0: the great team that we are that we've currently got So it's good. And it is hard work. It is hard work. I think there's a really important message there. And I think what's really nice is that I don't work for Pure. So the fact that you've asked people outside of your organisations and I got to know you and got to know other members of your team. I think it's I speak about this in another episode, but it's a a really nice way to network, but it doesn't feel like you're networking. And it's a really good way to utilise social media. I think it's fantastic.
1: Yeah, it is, it is really good. You 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 were particularly selected because you do quite a lot as well. So I think you may be a bit modest. Strategic. Yeah, if, yeah, he was strategic, yeah. If you didn't ever do it, running or walking, we'd probably won last <laughs> But uh, uh, So yeah, you're a very welcome member of the team. And we've only got four days to go, so hopefully we'll we'll win.
0: Cool. So we were just talking before we started recording about scaling and investment. And I think, obviously, this the podcast is called The Business of Healthcare, and I think we are Lots of organisations that have been on that have taken investment, and that's fantastic. And I was saying that I want a small, lean machine. I want a lifestyle business. I want to work really hard, and then I want to go off and I want to be able to leave the business and do Everest, you know, and and travel and enjoy my hard work. What is your approach? And when you mentioned you don't want to be huge, but you're big, you've got a hundred physios, and you haven't met some of them. Like, what's your view on scaling?
1: It's a, it's a great question, and and we. We I'm very ambitious. Whether it's in personal achievement, you know, these the things like doing the Ironman, it is painful doing these sorts of distance events, but but I enjoy doing it because it's a it's a personal internal challenge, uh, and and in work as well. I, I want to be, I'd like to be seen to be a, a great clinician and a good leader, uh, and these sorts of things. And and sometimes you can set yourself up for fails by this sort of approach, yeah. but I, unfortunately that's just how I am. And so with work, when we had the opportunity. Well, when I originally had the opportunity to move into some of these advancing roles years ago, 15 odd years ago, I really took it. And it meant I had to put myself through a master's and then some other qualifications and do an awful lot of additional work, which I was happy to do to put myself forward, put myself forward. And then when we build a business, if an opportunity comes along that would allow a clinical development, I really want to take it. So the first contact physio role that was has been around for some time, although really many people's eyes has been around since last april when the additional roles reimbursement scheme came out that allowed us to 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 grow what we were already doing and is a bit of a wild west out there in terms of this good and bad providers in every walk of every business and i wanted to be one of the 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 good providers and someone that that everyone could look at and think that's a that's a good company they've got good work ethics they've got good business ethics and they're doing it for, for the right reasons. You know, not profiteering out of something, but but trying to grow things, which has been great. The problem with that approach, I think, is a really good approach. And other people think it's a good approach. And therefore, you get more opportunities. And therefore, it's difficult to say no. We have said, said no sometimes, but in most cases, we've said, yes, we can do that. We can support that. And then we've had the growing pains that come with that. So we've had to get in good managers. And that's, that's challenging, getting people that are good leaders, nice leaders. I want nice people in our organization. And I don't want too many like me because it would it wouldn't function. So we've got why, people. Why
0: is it challenging to find because nice leaders?
1: I think within physio we, we our pure physio is clinically led. so we've got we're completely led by clinicians. we've got we've got lots of people helping us to to lead, but the actual leadership is is clinically based. And to find good clinicians who are also keen on, leading teams gotcha. in the right way is, is difficult I think we've done it we've got great we've got a fantastic team and as we've grown we then have to add more support to those teams so we've got a big base in Manchester that's all northwest big base in Yorkshire and a big base now in Norfolk and a, a, a pretty decent base in London as well now so we are growing these teams of people and then many many remotely and supporting them has meant that the growth has happened naturally, but we have to, I'm really aware that we can't just grow by saying yes to to opportunities. We have to put in place the, the support structure for those staff to do that job properly. You were saying earlier on, you, know, you don't want to create loads of loads of yous, and I don't want to create loads of me's. I want to create people that, that, are, that are great and support them to be the best they can be. And it has worked really well. That model has worked really well. I get quite emotional about it sometimes because it's, mm. it's you know, the I haven't met all the staff traditionally we always i would have always met the staff we do a lot of social things things like gojo has been brilliant but we're, i'm now more and more relying on the team that we've built um, and i see it very much as we rather than me very much to to support that growth and it's been they've each member of the team is, is rewarding us all by working hard and i think we've got a great ethos within within pure physio at the minute around that but it has grown i mean
0: hugely this last year uh, and that's been challenging. What's your role? What's your day-to-day role? Because I was quite surprised. So, And when I asked that, is that you came along to meet one of my clients. And I was just really surprised that you do that still. Yeah, I, I, I um, the problem is I love what I do. And I love every
1: aspect of what I do. If I could do more, I, I would. But I wouldn't have a house or a wife anymore. So I have to try <laughs> and limit myself in some ways. And so what I've done, and I think it's... It, maybe it's unusual you know i changed the physio i love physio 20 20 years later i love still treating patients i love that same person that walks off the street but we don't know what's wrong with them they've got bad back and it's impacting their life i still want to see that person physically myself or virtually so i have made sure that people with some of the people we brought in are doing the jobs that me as a director perhaps should be doing more and that's allowed me to do some of the stuff that i want to do which is still treat patients still be in front of people Talking and and chatting about what we want to do, where we want to be, but actually also doing it. So the organisational side of it, the operational side of it. You met Tom; he's fantastic. We've got that's Kay that. who does the clinic side; she's fantastic. We've got a great team that are much better organisers and and doers yeah. than I am. And I think that's been that's definitely been deliberate. I, I know my I hope I know my faults, and, and organisation is is one.
0: What's the future of your role? Do you? So you're saying you're still where you can kind of go to pitch meetings and sell the vision, but in the future, what do you want to be doing? What are you best placed to be doing? Like you mentioned with your your hopes for the business in terms of keeping it to a level
1: where you can control and you can enjoy it and you can deliver the, the quality you want to deliver and enjoy the life that you want to have. My aspiration isn't to grow continually; it's to to get to a point where we're really happy. If there's opportunities, which there always are, and they, they increase every every week then we'll we'll look at that but i think in terms of where i want to see myself and, and grow um i'm happy just for it to evolve i'm not wedded to a certain timeline or a, wed- a certain direction getting in the right staff getting in the right team and allowing them to bring their ideas and allowing them to develop is brilliant and i'm really enjoying that so we're developing a, a big area around sport we've got some physios who've got many many years in, in elite sport they've got particular interest in in that and they want to develop that and i'm That's that's out of my skill set really. And I'm happy to support them in that. And that's that's another area that grows. So really I see my role is just encouraging people to develop their own roles and develop within the company. So it it comes from a genuine enjoyment of what we do and a recognition of we can't do it all. And if we get someone that's really good at doing something and they're keen to do something, then why not support them in doing that if it makes sense for for the business? And generally speaking, it has done. We've not had any occasion I can think of where we've thought this is a good project. We've done it and it's it's failed. I'm sure we will have that. I'm sure we will have that. You know, I'm quite an enthusiastic person, as, as you know, and uh, <laughs> generally speaking, things work out. And if they don't, well, they, they don't. Will I'm sure something else will come along. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm pretty organic in how we'd like to see things grow. Quality is the key. Looking at the opportunities. If they make sense and we're confident we can deliver them really well, then we'll do it. And I think we're looking with some of the collaborations with the NHS at the moment, and there's some great things coming through from that and in private sector as well. So, but I can't do it all. And I think that's, that's been a good lesson to learn yeah. just to trust the people around you.
0: So we talk a lot on this podcast around selling into the NHS and it can be quite difficult. How how do you guys do it? I think
1: PCNs have been a big help to us because we are able to, to talk to a, a smaller commissioning level. So a local level. So Norwich is a really nice example where we, it's quite a big PCN. Norwich, it's 23 practices, uh, and it's it's, it's quite a big one. And they've split it into into quarters, but they were looking to do something quite different to what had been done locally in the pathways before. So we we went in with the idea, we'd already been working with the CCG locally anyway, so we had sort of evidence of us doing that. Uh, and that then they took that model it's worked really really well and then we we went to talk to other PCNs from that and that, worked, that went fantastically but so we've not found we've not gone to CCG level we've gone generally to, to okay. PCNs although the original sort of opening door was via a CCG and I think that the, that the way in which healthcare is commissioned because it keeps changing I think it, it's been able to to recognise that and show where you can add value that isn't already there. So we're really keen. One of the things we we pitch, and you uh, would hopefully remember when we when we talked to to the PCM, we mentioned that you support w- was we don't want to duplicate what's already there. So if there's already a pathway that's there, we we don't want to yeah. to, to duplicate that. We want to create something that's going to add value or offload in, in FCP situation, offload GPs, nurse practitioners, and we're really clear with that with our goal and i think having clarity what you're trying to sell or the service you're trying to sell and how that will help really helps the commissioners to realize actually there's a value to this and then what we're also i think good at in pure is data so we collect data for every um it's anonymized but every patient contact we have we collect data for it now we present that data back to the commissioning bodies in this case it's the pcns and and having clarity. So we'll do the good and the bad. So we'll be really, you know, transparent. If there's something's gone wrong, we will tell them it's gone wrong. So that rather than getting a phone call or email six weeks later saying, actually, Finn, this wasn't great. We're saying, look, to be honest, we could improve on this. And we found that over the five years we've been doing FCP, the best way to be. And um, that honesty, I think, has really put us in good stead. So clarity with the message, honesty when things go right and when they go wrong. And what you can do to to and proactiveness with that. So demonstrating that before you're asked for it. That's the that's the outputs, and and showing how we got to those outputs. I think that's been really helpful with us. And, and just being 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 honest. And and I think it helps me as a as a being a clinician talking to some of the CDs, the clinical directors, and whatnot. Because I, I want to have, have all the questions asked of of me of our service. So that we can give them confidence that what we're talking about is something we really know. And that's where I mentioned there's a few opportunities where we've not taken those opportunities, and that's because they're slightly outside of, of where we want to be, and actually we haven't got the expertise to be confident in saying we'll definitely deliver a great job. so we've 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 declined one or two things this last year where I wasn't confident we could do it perfectly and our our time and efforts are best spent on what we know well. And so yeah, that's that's been helpful as well, I think.
0: Have you experienced any moments in the business where you've either really made a mistake or you've really doubted your own ability?
1: frequently doubting my own ability, i think that's that's um hopefully life if not i've got problems but um when when we first moved to norfolk one of, the, one of the hardest time i ever had in business when we first moved to norfolk this is 10 years ago nearly 11 because it was when my little boy was was born we had a really really thriving practice all private practice based in in, in south yorkshire i moved to norfolk which is where my wife was from and that was for sort of Family support and and life reasons. We've got chickens and pigs up the garden now. We haven't got pigs actually, they're in the freezer, but we've got chickens and um, other things. Yeah, sorry. I'm vegetarian. (laughs) Okay, well, they're they're organic free range, at least the very least. They have a very happy life, but the chickens are fine. We don't eat them, just the eggs. But I've (laughs) had some this morning. And so we we moved here for those reasons. And and I was still going to work. I still worked a few days in Sheffield and we had the, the, the rest of the team up there working. And when we did that move, um, one of the big companies we worked with supplied one of the big private companies took all their work in house, and that happened almost overnight. So we went from having a really successful business, leaving my extended scope role jobs and our our good job, great jobs in the NHS to come down to Norfolk, and then we lost pretty much the business. And it was a very interesting time looking back at it now. At the time, it was horrendous because I thought I've ruined our family. I've my wife's pregnant. We've got one daughter who's already here. We've moved to. A big house in the countryside, which we can't now afford. We'd got a new car as well at the time. The whole thing was uh, uh, terrible. Now, ultimately, it worked out really well. The company involved supported us in, in being able to supply Norfolk with that same contract for a few years until their that, 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 that model changed. And that allowed us to, to diversify and do what we're doing now. So ultimately, it was a brilliant thing. And what it taught me is I was getting overconfident, probably a vanity around my business skills which were naive when I look back very very naive very dependent on one contract which was huge and is brilliant and we had a great relationship yeah, with them there. yeah <laughs> um so so that was the that was the weakest point and actually but also without doubt it was the best thing that's happened to me in business and if if someone had said that to me at the time my father-in-law kind of did and it was the worst thing he said but also he was really wise he'd been through similar things himself in business and he said look this this will work out fine don't worry about this try this this and when you're in that place i don't think you can see it you can't see the there is no positives you can only see the sort of abyss thankfully we worked through that and and looking back now or even two or three years after that i thought god that was the best thing that happened it really kicked me the bum to think i need to look at what else we can do diversify not relying on one supplier or one one customer or one major customer uh, or if you do, making sure you're retaining enough asset in the in the business to to survive if something happened, we would, we were would probably touch and go at that point, and it it did ultimately work out really well for us. So, and and in terms of doubting, probably most days I think I'm I'm not doing enough, or I've I've not sent that proposal back, or. And that comes back to then bringing in the right people to support you in that or, or to support the, the, the company in that. I think I've, I've learned that massively over the last few years is bringing in the right people. So it's not just on you, your shoulders, and it's not just on their soldiers. You're trying to do things as, as, as a bit of a team. It's continually learning, which is what I like about, about business really.
0: How do you balance your fitness, family, and work?
1: I, I think I've got a very good balance and, and, my fiver just just gone out, so I, I can say that <laughs> out loud. Yeah. But um, she she hopefully she'd agree. The beauty of how we run Pure, and and I hope this is true for anyone that works within Pure, is we try and be very flexible. So we've got people at work. They they do the school drop off in the morning. They then work till two o'clock. Do the school pick up? Have a couple of hours. Then get back jump back on the on the uh, work from six o'clock through till eight o'clock. It suits some people with half days, shorter days, you know, or longer days if they want. So that that goes right from from a junior member of staff or administration member of staff right through to to myself. So I I feel you know I'll I'll pick up and drop off the children. We've got three children, twice a week every week. Do all the after school stuff twice a week every week. Take them swimming. Do these sorts of things. But then other days I'll work. I'll I'll leave before they're up, and I'll get back before they're after they get to bed. So. I think the way in which I work, I would do a lot of hours, but the way in which I think I work allows us to to maintain that balance. And things like the sport is a, is a more tricky one. The fitness thing is a more tricky one. And my wife would probably say my work life balance is good. My exercise life balance probably probably is tricky because if you're training for something like an Ironman or you know the, the Everest thing, you'll be doing I mean, these these are, these aren't easy events to do you train for something like that. If you are to train for a marathon, you need to have two or three hour runs. And that's, that's a significant amount of time once or twice a week. And then the cycling is again, could be, could be a six hour training session and then the swimming to get to the swimming pool. So I try and do things very early in the morning, which doesn't naturally suit me. I was at CrossFit this morning at six, which means getting about half five, which if someone had said that to me four years ago, I said, there's no way I'm going to be doing half <laughs> five get ups. Cause what, what sounds ridiculous. But I do find it really helps me to keep focused and keep calm. And I am, my wife sometimes says, are you not stressed about this? I've got, uh, you know, I I love property as well. I've got about 20 rental houses or slightly more. I love doing different things, Um, shares and everything. You mentioned Bitcoin earlier. I I love, I just find it all interesting. And I think I'd struggle perhaps to have all these things going on in my mind if I wasn't that way inclined. And also if I wasn't doing something like, like I say, CrossFit this morning is great because you has no benefit to my triathlon training but but it does mean you can't think about anything else when you're so exhausted on a run or on a bike ride or a swim or, or any sort of exercise you're so mentally physically exhausted your brain's just i think it's like taking the plug out of the wall and plugging it back in and it allows everything just to settle down and then you can reboot when you get back in the car afterwards and think okay i better go through these things so I think it's good. I think my balance is is quite good. I've got a week off next week, which is extraordinary. I can go to London with the children, see the crown jewels. But yeah, it's, it's it's pretty good. I think it's okay. It's always a challenge, I think, especially as the kids, my children are young, as they're growing up, you don't want to miss anything. And inevitably that, that balance is hard to strike, I think. But that's, I think it's pretty good. I, I hope Vicky would agree with me if she was here. Um, hopefully she would.
0: And last question, when thinking about your business journey to date, what is the one piece of advice you would give to somebody that is thinking, that's a clinician thinking about starting their own private practice, private business?
1: As you can see, I like talking. So if it's one thing, um, I would probably say I'll do a couple of things. Firstly, when you start, expect it to not go particularly well. You might be a phenomenal clinician. You could be a lovely person. You could have the best premises you won't be busy. It will take a little while, sometimes years, I think, for that to become busy and you have to accept that. And I think you have to recognise that some patients might want to come on a Tuesday morning, the next patient might be a Tuesday evening, the next patient could be a Wednesday, two or three on a Wednesday. So being flexible with how you manage those initial customers I think it's really important to build your reputation with those customers. Would be the first thing, and the second thing is to if you, if you really enjoy it, you have to enjoy it. If you're not enjoying it, join a team, do something else, because it can be when you set something up, it can be some people can find it such a struggle. It always is a struggle, yeah. and if you're not enjoying it, then I think it's it's probably is probably not worth doing. Yeah, I saw a really nice thing on on LinkedIn the other day about mental health. Said of the price, if the price of something is your mental health then the price is too high, something like that. And it was, it's a really good thing. Recognize what you can do and what you enjoy doing and don't push yourself to do something you don't enjoy. I think it's probably something I'd, I'd say is true.
0: Finn, if people want to connect with you or find out about Pure Physiotherapy, where's the best place?
1: I think probably LinkedIn's really good. We're on Twitter as well. Um, but LinkedIn, Pure Physiotherapy on there, we're, we're pretty active on there. And um, and I'm on, I'm on LinkedIn as well. I actually find it a really good platform. Uh, yeah. I only, only started doing it last May, uh, last March. I was skiing for the first time in a long time I'm mean, useless. so I sat at the top of the, the slope and just set up a LinkedIn profile and I. It then. So <laughs> I find it really quite good and you can mess so especially
0: if yeah, you've won business from there. Yeah, definitely yeah yeah well your example yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much Thank you so much for joining us. If you like what you hear, I would absolutely love it if you left us an iTunes rating and five star review.